Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. At this point, I have no knowledge of where Lindsay is. No one will give me any information. Uh, nothing. So I've got a missing person and a big bureaucratic organization that I got to try to get answers from, and, and I'm not going to get that answer. I would hope that Lindsay isn't pulling a fast one, pulling a scam, whatever you want to call it. I'd be crushed. I mean, devastated. <laughs> Yet another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine. I'm going to be slowing down next week, um, you know, so you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome for slowing down, frankly. I feel like I'm, I'm giving a little too much care these days, but, you know, with the excitement of Real Housewives of Potomac, I just couldn't resist. There's so many shows that are on now, and it's hard to, it's hard to resist talking about them. You know, I was even thinking about like, oh, I've heard about all this drama with The Bachelor, but can I take on another 17 hours of television? No, I cannot. So here we are with the recap of Love After Lockup and Married at First Sight. I will be starting starting with Married. Nope. I will be starting with Love After Lockup. Um, let's get to our couples. Really nothing happened with Quaylon and Chevelle. Quaylon got out of jail. It was a very emotional moment and, you know, tears wailing on behalf of the mom they're just both so happy to have their boy back and you know nice moment can't really say too much about that um let's move on to jessica and maurice so then um what happens so it's two days out of jail for maurice they're now back in like southern california because he has to go to his parole officer to get his address switched to vegas which is where jessica lives 
Um, so we find out that Maurice actually has a daughter and he's talking about like how hard it is that he's had to basically see her grow up via pictures and you know, that's really emotional. Um, and yeah, I mean, he also is talking about like, I just never want to go to jail, but you know what, you guys, the stakes are really high for him because California is a three strike system and he's two strikes in. And he's like, I just have to get out of California if I'm ever going to make it. And he's really adamant about moving to Vegas. I think I mean, like, yeah, he says, I want to be with my wife and stuff, but I think he's more afraid of getting in trouble again and going down the wrong path, which honestly fair. I would be more concerned about that than being with my wife too, if I were him. Um, so they have to go to his parolees to get his address moved. We see him leave and they can do it. And they had filed, I guess, to get his address changed to Vegas on a Friday. Let's say this is Monday now. And they filed on Friday, but it's a long process. So it's going to basically take 30 days for them to go through the file and approve it, and then another 30 days for them to send it back. And he's just really mad. He calls his aunt to tell her about how pissed he is, and he's just like, I feel like the system is really set up against me, and I just am really, really frustrated. And he's, like, frustrated to the point where he's like, Jessica, let's just go to Vegas. She's like, no, I'm not I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm, it's not worth the risk. Um, it's it's sad you know like a lot of the show is mess like I said last week I think a lot of the show's mess and a lot of it is funny <laughs> and dramatic and but it's also like there is a glimpse into what these people have to deal with like the fact that like they really do and Christiana says this the same thing like they feel like they don't really get a leg up they don't get like a chance to better themselves when they want to and I, I can't imagine. I really can't imagine. Um, let's move on to Tyrese and Shonda. Ugh, I cannot stand Tyrese. I don't know why he's so confident. <laughs> I mean, everybody loves themselves. I get it. We should all give ourselves a first place, you know, thing. I find him to be a little too egotistical. He, in this, like, white leather fat farm jacket that he could insist on wearing, like, calm down, sir. We understand that you live in a condo. We got it. You're financially stable. We get it. That does not make you a better man than any other man, okay? <laughs> Trust me. I've dated plenty of broke men, and they're seemingly a lot cooler than you are, frankly, sir. So he needs to invite his, he invites his uh, kids over to his friend's home and he's like going to tell them the whole truth about Shonda. They don't really know anything except for he's talking to a woman in jail and his son, he shows him a picture. He's like, she's white. <laughs> like, not that it's a problem, but I just didn't know. I didn't know. So they're like, we have no problem with that. And then they find out that she's 28. And this is where the problem lies. They're like, 
hell no. His son keeps standing up, fucking up the, the frame of the of where the cameras are, and he, he Tyrese is like, Will you sit your ass down? Like, chill the fuck out. They're like, No. His son is twenty eight, Shonda's twenty eight, they're like we were fine with it, but once you said what her age is, like, you're an old man, dad. Like, what is he doing? What is she doing with you? You're a sugar daddy. That's all this is. Like, why don't you see it? So now we see his friend who said it the first episode that he was on last week and now his other friends and now his uh, kids and he's not feeling it. He's like, oh, it's just going to be help to be like us against the world and blah 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 like uh, okay he even tries to get his friend to like co-sign his behavior and his friend's like no this is weird frankly and yeah I mean it's just I don't know what Tyrese is thinking he explained that like when he got divorced from his child's mother that he was 30 and then at that point he vowed to just be a bachelor for the rest of his life And so now he, I guess, feels like he really, you know, wants to have a life partner. Totally fine. No complaints there. But, like, to what end? To what end? It's kind of like, who is that on 90 Day Fiance? Oh, like Big Ed, where he was, like, not listening to his daughter's genuine concerns about the situation, even though... As the story went, turns out Big Ed was the one who was the big loser. Okay. Um, but he, at some point, it's like, I understand that you have to be selfish to a certain extent, but it's also like, ugh, people are screaming in your face about how wrong this is and are giving you like legitimate things of like, what is she offering? What is she bringing to the table? You're obviously giving her money and you're bankrolling her. He's made it very clear that he just really loves her ass. So (laughs) I just don't know. Tyrese is like a weird guy. And he's, I knew that he was going to be one of these dudes. that's like, you know, I like long walks on the beach. But like, no, you just want a woman to be your slut. Basically, like you don't care about her. You care about her ass. And that's fine. But just, like, don't wrap it up in a bow of, like, this is going to be my wife. Because she's not. You don't care about her. You don't. <sighs> so then we get another scene of how him going shopping for her again. And she has told him that, like, one of the first things she wants to do is take off her, like, prison-issued underwear. Get some real underwear. So what does Tyrese do? This just proves my point further. He goes to a sex shop to get her a couple of bra and panty sets. Like, we all know what a sex... Like, a sex shop... Sex shop underwear serves its purpose. But it's not for day-to-day life, okay? (laughs) It's not for every day. Unless you have a specific vision of how you want your relationship to be. Listen, I've been listening to the new Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion song. I'm very sex positive, but I'm also a curvy woman. And I understand that I shouldn't be getting my everyday, you know, lingerie from 
sex stores that sell dusty boxes of like BDSM kits. Okay. You're not going to be getting the things that you need, the durability that is required for your breasts and your buttocks from a place that only sells underwear that's like 98% polyester, things that are going to dissolve when you put them in the washer, okay? And this is how I know Tyrese doesn't really care about Shonda. He cares about getting his nut off. And that's, you know, maybe I'm being a little bit brusque right now, but that's the truth. Let's move on to John and Christiana. I, you know, have always been said that they're so far right out the gate of the show, the messiest couple. And not even going to put it on Christiana. It's mostly just John. But now, this episode, John actually pissed me off. So we're back with them at the wedding chapel truck. Jesus. The X-71 of love. Christiana standing there in back in her jail clothes because the wedding dress that he bought her didn't fit. No shoes. And he's, she's in John's, like, suede fringe jacket. Three silk flowers in her hand. She's really nervous, but she also says that she likes to fly by the seat of her pants. And she gets up in that truck bed, shoeless. And they get married as quickly as possible. Lahoma, his sister friend I don't know she marries them Christiana doesn't know what the hell is happening because this is like a traditional Native American wedding and she doesn't know anything about Native Americans and they get married and they have to like like a transformer like pick up pack up the uh Chevy and haul ass to her halfway house in Dubuque Iowa so here's the thing She's on a time crunch, like a serious time crunch. They only had, I think, three and a half hours to get from jail to the halfway house or like to the corrections office and then, you know, check into the halfway house. They're now 30 minutes late. John says like, we're 30 minutes late to the halfway house and that's only if we're going 80 miles an hour. You can see the panic in Christiana's face and, like, her face just fall when he says we're 30 minutes late. And this is, like, what pisses me off is because he's so selfish. If this is truly the woman that you want to be married to for the rest of your life, and I know he's had, like, 50, 11 wives in the past, but, like, this is, like, why you're stupid, right? Like, you're, it's so beyond selfish for you to just be, like, oh, like, why did you need to get married today? Why did you need... This is like addict behavior, right? Like you just need to be caught up in the rush of things like, oh, I'm going to plan this wedding. I'm going to build this truck, put some planks in the back of my truck, and I'm going to surprise her as soon as she gets out of jail. And then we're going to rush to the cab, the park, and then I'm going to surprise her with the wedding. And then we're going to have to rush to, you know, like it's very selfish, seemingly like addicted to chaos behavior. And that's, when it's detrimental, like, when you're right out the gate, like, oh, I could potentially fuck my wife's uh, whole life up and send her right back to jail, but who cares because we just got married? Like, that's fucked up. That's fucked up that he had to do this at any cost. Anyway, on the way there, Christiana calls her mom, Tammy. Uh, hi, ma'am. Hi. I just got married. Oh, jeez. <laughs> they sound birds of a feather, two peas in a pod. 
if that pod had been filled with cigarette smoke for the past 30 years and they had nothing else to breathe into. Oh, Lord. Tammy, you could tell on the tam- the weariness of Tammy's face, voice, rather, that she's had to deal with a lot with her sweet Christiana. They're speeding so fast that you always see um, footage of them, like the back of the car, like whoever's production is driving behind them. They're driving so fast that the de- decorations for the wedding are just flying into the highway. My God. Um, he got Christiana some clothes, so she changes in the car. She puts uh, her, you know, like prison shirt over the camera that's hooked up in the car. She's like, you like my percutaneous baby? <laughs> and if I never hear that sentence again, it'll be too soon. Oh, my God. She's so excited. She's like, I'm sorry we couldn't get to any hanky-panky before I went to the hotel, halfway house. And he's like, oh, it's okay. She's like, I think you probably got a boner in it, don't you? Like, good Lord. Please save it. Save it for the OnlyFans. <laughs> Please. Um, they get to Dubuque. And she, they both have his and hers um, vapes. They're puffing away in that car. And... She's like, oh, welcome back to Shithole Dubuque. Here we go again. And kind of like Maurice, she says the same thing of like, this halfway house is bullshit. I feel like it's a trap and it's just going to cause me to get into more trouble because the people in there are like active drug dealers, active users, people who really don't give a shit. This is my first time. I've never, she said she's never completed parole. Um, It's her first time in that very same halfway house. No, fourth time in that very same halfway house. Um, And she's like, I really want to do this right, but I just feel like everything is set up for it to be wrong. And I feel bad for her because it really does seem like, you know, like you get indoctrinated and they have that whole thing of like recidivism being really high in the prison system. And it's sad you know, at some point she's like, I've been in and out of jail for half of my life, 14 years now. And I just feel like what a waste. And then I, you know, it's easy to understand how people would feel like, well, I don't really have any options. I've already been in the system. I'm not hireable for the most part. I live in a small town. I can't escape my small town. This is the same town where I got in trouble and I can't escape those people and those triggers. And it's just a cycle. It's just like a vicious cycle. <sighs> Let's move on to Scott and Lindsay. Scott and his sweet white girlfriend, Lindsay. Well, Scott is at the airport and it's like a very small airport. Uh, like, no security. <laughs> like, like people could just walk in. They don't even, like, the people, the, the airplanes don't have that, like, hallway tube that gets you from the airplane to the actual airport. Like, they have to go, they have to be dropped outside and then go walk in. So he's waiting and he's like got his eyes up against the uh, glass so he can see who's coming in. 
or who's leaving, right? Waiting and waiting and waiting. No Lindsay. We see a flight attendant standing at the doorway. He's waiting and then the lights go out, meaning everybody's gone. So he's walking around the producers are like, do you want to like wait a few minutes? And he's like, no, I feel like I looked at everybody who left. There were only 30 people that left the, uh, the airplane. So he kind of like walks around the baggage claim, looks around and he asks the pilots if Vetch's left, like, is this the right plane? Is this the one that was coming from Alabama to Mississippi? They're like, yeah. Supposed to be my girlfriend. I don't know, dog. I just want to go to bed. <laughs> like, they have no idea. Scott is now blaming the bureaucratic prison system and not his sweet white woman, Lindsay. And he starts calling the jail that she's at, and they're like, Well, we can't tell you anything. I don't have any information. You're going to have to call between 6 a.m. and 2 p.m. the next day. I don't know. Somehow this is everybody's fault but Lindsay's. She's like, she gave me a very specific itinerary of like, this is when the plane departs. This is when I have to make a connection. I'm going from Ohio to Atlanta to Atlanta to Mississippi. And this is the time that I have to be at the halfway house. So... I don't know what to say at this point. (laughs) So Scott then calls Lindsay's mother. She has no idea what's going on. She's shocked. You can hear her poor little girl, Miley. They're like, my mom's not going to come home today. He's like, no, but I'll, you know, I'll do the best that I can. And I'll let you guys know tomorrow. So remember he got this like stretch hammer limo for Lindsay. And we met Larry, the limo driver. He now comes in the airport. He's like, what the hell is taking so long? Scott's just standing there like a dumbass. I mean, it's clearly late at night. This is a very small airport. Basically tantamount to like a train station. (laughs) And he's the only one there as far as we can see. So Larry comes in and is like, hey, what's, is everything okay? What's going on? And he's like, yeah, well, she didn't show up. He tells him what happened. And he's like, oh, damn, that sucks. And they interview, they take Larry to the side and interview him. And he's like, I think she got he got scammed he's like I've seen this happen a lot I think she's a liar frankly and Larry I think you're right so Scott has his like you know the steaks that he bought earlier that day (laughs) these hour old steaks that have just been sitting in the car in the limo and a big red velvet cake with sprinkles that he got so they sit out there on the bench of the airport and he Scott very kindly shares his hard ass steak with him <laughs> and the cake and they're just sitting out eating and you know Scott's real still very hopeful and he thinks that like this is all the fault of the prison system. Now here's what is confusion to me. Okay, if she had all that itinerary And they had all, they laid that all out. And the the prison had paid for her flight, right? Because they have to pay for that. I think that they would, I would imagine, I would assume that they would not make the mistake of going through all that and 
have not having it go through. Like they would have done their due diligence, right? To make sure that, yeah, this is the time that we are going to let you out of jail because we have to play, pay for a plane ticket for you to go back home. What I think happened is that either she looked up a flight or there was another girl that was leaving and was like, oh, I'll just tell him this and I'll just bullshit. And like, this will be like my test for Scott, right? This is what I think. She's probably testing him and just seeing like if he would show up and it's like, okay, girl who's actually leaving let me know if you see him. Let me know if you see the cameras, right? I don't know. What do y'all think? What do y'all think? Let's end it with Sean and Destiny. So they're still in the car. Destiny's loving life. She's got a belly full of lukewarm tacos that he made in the motel room. She's putting on, you know, the newest line of Wet n' Wild products that Sean bought her. Putting on her eyebrows. Loving it. And... They're on their way to meet her sister and her mom for lunch. So Sean still says that we have a, that I have a secret and I, you know, haven't told her. I actually don't think that Destiny would care that much, but now it's gotten to the point where like, it's been so long and it's been so like, now it's like super built up and I just feel stuck. So they meet up with her family, her sister and her mom. Sister's name is Brittany. Her mom's name is Denise. So they get to the restaurant and she tells her family, like they go sit down and she's like, they're like, Oh, how are you feeling? And she's like, this is just like surreal, too good to be true. And I feel like the cops are going to come get me. And, Take me back, and then as soon as she says it, you can see, like, a deputy behind her in the background. She's like, oh, shit. (laughs) It wasn't for her, obviously. Um, But then her mom, Denise, they take her outside of the restaurant, and they're interviewing her. And she's like, you know what? We have kind of like an up-and-down relationship. I... You know, there was a time where Destiny was really messed up and messing up and I was not, I stopped talking to her and she starts to get emotional and she's like, you know, I can't blame myself for her going to jail, but I just wonder like maybe if things had been different if I had been a little bit more supportive of her. And I I really felt for her. She's like, you know, I have, I've never been to jail. I don't, you know, it's not like something that our family is used to but like you could tell that she felt a sense of guilt and Denise also thinks that Sean is basically a creep she's like he looked on a website for people in prison like that's fucking weird <laughs> and she's like how do I know if Brittany her sister's like how do I know if he he could have bodies in his basement chopped up like I don't know this man from Adam like I don't know they're very suspicious. So Destiny and her sister, her, her sister, Brittany brought over some clothes for her to change into. Oh no, Sean brought them. So she wants to go change in the bathroom. She takes Brittany with her. So Denise and Sean can have a one-on-one talk. And so Denise is like, okay, so 
like, what's your deal? Are you divorced? He's like, no. I was in a long-term relationship. I had six kids, all by the same woman. And she's like, oh, well, Destiny told me you only had two children. And he was like, oh, yeah, well, I did tell her at the beginning because, like, I was just, like, didn't really want to tell somebody my whole life and not really get into that. But, like, we've worked it out. Everything's fine. In the bathroom, Brittany's like, so do you really like him? And Destiny's like, well, I really want to go to Vegas. I think that would be cool. And she's like, but you know me. She's like, I feel like I'm kind of a self-sabotager. And I don't really think that I'm ready to settle down. So they get back to the bathroom, or <laughs> they get back from the bathroom to the, the table, and Destiny kind of, like, jokingly smacks Sean, and Sean's like, yeah, she's pretty violent, and, like, they're both being very jokey, and her mom, <laughs> her mom calls it elder abuse. And you could see the wheels turning because Destiny starts to make a joke like, oh, you probably can't really call that elder abuse until you're like 50, 55, like somebody older than you, mom. And then she goes, Sean, how old are you? And he was like, hmm. <laughs> the kind of hmm that you know you're not going to get out of the question, but you're still trying to bide time, even though it's completely useless to do. Um, I'm 45. And Destiny's like, okay, well, you told me you were 36. He's like, no, I'm 45. He's like, you assumed that I was 36 and I just didn't correct you. She's like, no, you told me you were 36. Sean, how many kids do you have? (laughs) Then we get, that's the end of the episode. I'm loving it. I... I think Destiny is going to be a little bit slick, more slick. You know, the show really proves that, like, oftentimes the people that were in jail are smarter and have their shit more together than the people that they're with, the people on the outside, if you will. And I think Destiny might be one of those people. I think Christiana is definitely one of those people. Um... Maybe even Shonda. We have yet to see her. There apparently is another couple that we're going to be seeing. And I'm excited to meet them. All right, y'all. Let's move How on to... How is living Mary with Christine. Woody? Smooth. Smooth? <laughs> How does he like... How is he when he's upset? Well, he, he don't. He don't. Yes, he does. What? I didn't say anything yet. <laughs> you can tell when something bothers him. I'm his mama. What I know, I see the devil come out of Hey y'all, let's get started with Married at First Sight. So, the first few episodes of the of the series are pretty predictable. Um, this happens to be the morning after the wedding, meet the parents, and uh, let's go off to the honeymoon episode. So, let's start with... Olivia and Brett, they seem to be kind of like the most boring of the season. I I tend to like to go from most to least boring, least interesting to most interesting, however you want to put it. Um, So yeah, Olivia and Brett was really that for me. So 
they well okay first we start off the episode with like a more expanded view of like what happens the night that they get to the hotels and you know the men helping the women take their dresses off and Olivia's like oh I was really uncomfortable with him taking my dress all the way off or like helping me take it all the way down so he took it off like as much as until she could do it herself she goes into the bathroom and changes but then as soon as she leaves the bathroom she's like well anything can happen tonight and I'm open to it and he's really cute blah 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 so like how do we go from I don't want him to take to unbutton every button to he can loosen up my buttons in the bed if he wants to (laughs) very confusing for me Olivia but you know what I like a woman who is she has dichotomies I appreciate that. Um, Brett says that he thinks Olivia is lovely and that she has grace. I feel like he has never described any of the women that he's dated, probably all 45 of them, that, um, as being graceful. So this is a real turn for me. I'm, I'm really confused about Brett's journey, like even more so than Olivia. Um, surprisingly their chemistry was a little bit better than I expected and Brett has actually found it in himself to dig deep down and express normal human emotions of introspection and actual happiness that he's with this woman and he got matched with Olivia and I'm confusion I really am I this is not the Brett that we were introduced to um so basically with the brunches is that the wife will meet the husband's family and that husband will meet the wife so they go on their own so Olivia meets the brothers Grimm aka Brett's brothers (sighs) if I never have to see these men on my television it'll be too soon all of these men (laughs) are so awful one after the other all three of all four of them Brett included are just terrible so basically, as soon as Olivia sits down, they're like, oh, just by the way, we stalked your whole life. We went through all of your social media. And then they said, but luckily we found people at the hospital that you work at. Well, they actually really like you. What sort of investigation, like fucked up investigation do these men get into? What do you mean? Did you interview? Did you actually contact people at the hospital that she works at? Or how, what? I need answers like immediately, immediately. Um, Brett goes to brunch with her parents and for as like full of himself as Brett is these glasses, like they're not bad glasses they are bad for him. <laughs> they're hideous. I am very surprised. Like can, can tan from queer eye, like help him with his glasses game because they're awful. They make him look so silly. Um, Basically, Olivia's family is like a conservative Christian family. And they want to know that Brett is going to be able to, you know, uphold their their Christian values. And mm, nope, no ma'am. No ma'am, no sir. (laughs) Brett basically is like, you know, I was raised as a Christian. Not really my thing. I'm steadfastly agnostic. I have no plans in like attending church regularly or any sort of organized religion. Not my thing, but I, I appreciate that I grew up that way. I live my life in a way that I think would 
mirror Christian values. I believe in a higher power, but I just don't believe in organized religion. So, um, yeah, I mean, the family accepted that. Her father was like, you know what? I think Brett's a man's man. Like, what? <laughs> Did you see the muscles and stop there? Like, what does being a man's man even mean? What, 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 what does that, how does that benefit your daughter? <laughs> He's a man's man. What does that mean? Somebody please tell me what being a man's man means. Like, honestly, I don't know what that means. I have questions and I want answers. Um, they, you know, after the brunches, the couples meet and they kind of like rehash what, you know, the other family said and everything goes really well with them. And, you know, um, everything's great. Like Brett seems to have like a much better attitude about the whole situation. I'll get back to that once we get to their honeymoon spot and yeah, things seem to be going okay with them. Um, let's move on to Amani and Woody. So we're still at the night of the wedding <laughs> and Amani and Woody go to Miles and Karen's door. Like, wake up. I can hear you guys, Woody. And because remember, Woody and Miles are like actually friends with each other. Part of the same friend group. They kick it. They they know each other. Um, Woody is so excited to see Miles. Miles like, Karen, can you wake up, please? <laughs> Karen's dead to the bed. She, Miles and Woody are like, they're just so excited to see each other. They're so happy, happy to meet each other's wives. Like, can't believe that my boy got married on the same night that I did. Like, Woody is so happy and he's so happy to, like, show Amani off, I think, which is actually really cute. Um, Woody is, like, all in. Like, all my chips are in, double down. I am totally into the woman that I was paired with. I adore her. Um... Woody does the interview with the producers and he says, you know what? I don't really see any other way than us remaining married. And, you know, after these eight weeks, like I'm, I'm in, I'm done. This is my, my queen. <laughs> um, he said that this is the smartest decision that he's ever made. And I'm inclined to believe him because we all saw what those glasses looked like. You know, you know what I mean? We saw that he had the cross shaved into the side of his head. So Yeah. Certainly in in recent times, this is the, the best decision that you've made. <laughs> um, so then we get to the brunches. And I'm just telling you this right now. Whoever did Amani's wedding makeup needs to be drawn and quartered, tar and feathered, and shot by a firing squad. Because once we see her, like, her more natural look, I don't know how much makeup she put on, if any, Girl, gorgeous. She is beautiful. And, ugh, that makeup artist really needs to lose whatever esthetician license that they have. Like, do they know her? Are they mad at her? She's very pretty. Um, they, she's, so basically, like, the people are at brunch for Woody are all women, mom, grandma, aunt, what have you. Amani asks all the right questions. Like, what do you think I should know about Woody? And I think it was his grandma that says like, he has a really bad temper. Like when he gets mad, I have seen, and she literally says, I have seen the devil come out of him, which as a, a black 
older black woman is not a not a thing a phrase that you take lightly <laughs> like it must have been really bad like he has some real serious rage issues Monty's like okay well that's not gonna work for me and the producers ask her like or I think his family did like how how are you going to tamper his moods how are you going to work with that basically like if this happens to you what's gonna happen and Monty's like I don't play that game I will basically tell him like he needs to take a little breather and when he calms down he can talk to me the way that I deserve to be spoken to. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com You guys, I'm calling it right now. Amani's my favorite person on the cast this season. Hands down, I love her. I think she's smart. I think she's funny. I think she rolls with the punches in a really good way. Like in the first episode, I was like, "Mm, I don't know this. She kind of seems like a little bit like a reserved, maybe even like in wet blanket territory. But I really like her. I think she's got her head on her shoulder straight. I think that she's like really embracing the experiment and going along with it in a way that like, I really like to see on the show. And I just think that she's probably a cool person. Like we could go to brunch with each other. We could kick it. We can have a good time. I I really just like her, her whole spirit. Um, so Woody, when he meets Imani's family, they ask about his relationship history and he was like, well, you know, I, I was in a three year long relationship prior to this. And they were like, well, okay decently long relationship so what happened and he's like well honestly we really weren't compatible for each other and both of us cheated and her family's like "Mm, okay (laughs) he's like you know what we worked it out you know I, I get it it doesn't sound good but I'm a different man now I've evolved I've matured and I really really want this um that was basically it. Amani and um, Woody meet back up with each other after brunch. And first thing Amani says was like, yo, your family told me that you had a bad temper. So like, what's up with that? <laughs> and he's like, you know what? Honestly, I did. And I was younger and I wasn't able to process my emotions correctly. And I was immature, but I went to counseling 
I saw a therapist and I was er able to see the error of my ways and how I was not managing my emotions correctly. And I feel like I'm a better person because of it. Woody. Okay, King. Like, <laughs> mental health King. I am so proud of him. Like, I was shocked that he, the word counseling came out of his mouth. Was this a court-ordered thing? I don't know. Maybe we should open that up. But either way, he took something out of it. And I really appreciate that he was like, <clears throat> I recognized that I had a problem. That I needed to find somebody to talk to about it and how to handle my feelings in a way that was mature. And <laughs> Woody's like really surprising me. Like... Do I like Woody? Is he like cuter now? Is his skin a little bit clearer? Like, is he a little bit taller to me now? Like, was I looking at his abs later? Yeah. I I think I really like Woody. He's too corny for me. And a little bit too horny. He He's a little bit of a smooth operator in a way that like, I just can't handle. <laughs> like, I just think it's like, I literally would just laugh in his face. Like, you have to calm down. But... I think when he's serious, like, he's really nice. We saw that scene with Amani's father and stepfather last episode about how he was, like, really excited to form a relationship with them because he doesn't really have one with his father and he really needs, like, older men in his life to be mentors and people that he can go to and, like, <sighs> Woody, thank you. Thank you for changing my mind. I really appreciate, I like where we are. I wasn't expecting to be here, but here we are. And I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Let's get to Amelia and Bennett. So last week I said that <laughs> Bennett had tucked into bed for the first evening in what looked to be a mustard colored t-shirt. So they expand the scene of, of them getting ready at that night. And it turns out <laughs> that Bennett was in a dress. A long, a muumuu, if you will. It was a... Bennett seems like a tall guy. Um, I'm five feet tall. This is something that, like, if I wore what Bennett was wearing, it would definitely be, like, a full-length situation. Probably past my feet. Um, <laughs> it was a full-on dress and I was gonna roast both of them but compared to his mustard colored dress um Amelia's green plaid onesie looked pretty fucking normal I have to admit <laughs> can you imagine can you I'm, I'm gonna get a little you know Cover the kids' ears if you need to. I'm gonna get a little nasty, but can real? Can you imagine a guy's boner under a dress like that? Like, <laughs> just think about it. Just think about it for a second. Just think about it for a second, and how unsexy that is. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Like, imagine like I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna slip under that dress and and grab your dick, sir. <laughs> like, how do you even navigate that? <laughs> I can't. 
Oh my god. Um, so the next morning, Amelia asks <laughs> the million dollar question is, um, so do you always wear a dress to sleep? <laughs> Bennett is like, um, you know, honestly, I just dress for comfort. And then he shows us why he really likes a dress, which is that he can, um, you know, like fold his legs up, pull his knees up, put the, put his arms inside of the dress and fully go into what he calls carrot mode. Um, he just like tucks his little legs into it and goes completely under it except for his head. And that's what he really loves. Amelia took that in stride. I would have said I had to go to the bathroom and taken a little break, take, taking some calming breaths, maybe even a shower. Um, but good for Amelia. I thinking like this episode, we're saying that Amelia is like quirky, sure. Hipster, definitely. But I think she's maybe more like internally quote unquote normal than her external appearance um is showing. Like take the bird off her head. And she really just looks like a hipster and, and same for Bennett. But I think Bennett seems to be like, and we meet his family, like this is what Bennett, all Bennett knows. Whereas like this may be more of something that Amelia has cultivated and it just works for her. But I think she's more down to earth than Bennett is for sure. Um, so then they both wear glasses and he's not wearing his, but she's wearing hers. They're still in bed. And she's like, you know, typical question with people with glasses, like, can you see me with your glasses off? And he's like, yeah, I can. And so they decide to switch glasses with each other to see like how bad each other's vision is. Turns out they actually wear like pretty much the same style of glasses. It was like round, you know, hipster librarian glasses and they didn't Bennett then tells us a delightful story about how when he was just like a couple of years ago, I think he's 28. So I think he said this would happen when he was 25, that he used to, he broke his, uh, you know, normal glasses and had to spend a good time wearing rec specs, which I'm told are like the glasses that like basketball players wear. So he looked like Carl Malone for a good stretch of time just like the ones that like they you know they're like tied up in the back I don't know how to like it's a glasses that are like goggles basically they have that like back strap so I'm sure that looked really hot um so then we go to meet the parents for brunch Bennett goes first and we meet more of Polly who's Amelia's mom she says something that is very telling and I hope not foreshadowing that she's basically like so excited for Bennett she's so excited to have Bennett and her family and she's like I just think they're perfect but to be honest with you I don't notice red flags at all and Amelia's the same way so I hope that she's able to tell me if he's actually a bad person because I believe in the best in everybody and I think every situation is just going to end up perfectly so I'm really not the person to be gauging any sort of people's relationships because I think every relationship is going to go well. 
parents. <laughs> and I think she's saying this as a divorced woman. I don't think Amelia's parents are married. So good for her. Good for her and her delusions. Um, so Polly asks actually a really good question. Despite the fact that she has rose-colored glasses on, she says, you know, Amelia just finished medical school and she applied for residencies. Her number one choice is to go to Annapolis, which is in New Orleans. Obviously, that's our first choice, but she did apply for schools and like, I think she said Virginia and, you know, out of state. So how are you going to feel if she has to, if she doesn't get into school in New Orleans, like, how are you going to feel if she has to move? And Bennett's like, um, well, uh, this goes on for like what feels like 30 minutes, <laughs> like racing for an answer in that brain of his. And he says, you know, I, we haven't even been married a day. That's kind of a big question, but I, if I care for her and I adore her in the way that I'm anticipating adoring her, then I don't see that as being a problem. I can pack up my tiny house and go anywhere in the world. Like, you know, all I need is, you know, my, my carrot dress <laughs> and my rec specs in case anything bad happens. Um, Bennett's, no, excuse me. Um, Amelia's brother says, <laughs> an interesting analogy of she is like a, a ring pop that actually turns out to be a real diamond like you think you're getting this like wacky sugary delicious thing but then you bite in and you find out it's actually real and it's even better than what you expected and I thought that was actually really sweet <laughs> that's actually like a really nice thing like she's got this like crazy little outside but she's like solid gold on the inside. I wish somebody would say that about me. That's actually really nice now that I'm thinking about it. Um, so then we have Amelia going to meet Bennett's family. Interestingly enough, the lollipop theme seems to run in both of their families. So maybe they're more meant to be than any of us have given them credit for so far. Molly, who is Bennett's sister who proved herself to be very strange at the wedding. <laughs> um, basically, she's like, you know what? I have a very small gift for you. It's wrapped in what looked to be um, one of the napkins from the restaurant that we're at. And, <laughs> and Amelia opens it the wrong way. So like the gift opens out on the table and she can't see what it is. So she opens up this napkin. Nothing's there. And she's like, Oh, so it is small. <laughs> She's, Molly's like, no, you have to look underneath. So it was actually a lollipop. And she said something like she had wrapped it. She had double wrapped it. So it had two lollipop wrappers. Something that had to do with the wedding. Molly, I, I do not know what you're saying. Sweet child. Sweet summer child. I, I don't know what's happening here. Then she holds... Amelia's hand in a very uncomfortable way like you know like a double hand one hand's on top Amelia's hand sandwich in the middle and then her other hand at the bottom for a very uncomfortably long time she is the type of people that make like too much eye contact you know what I mean like there's eye contact and then there's a type of eye contact where you just feel like 
are you looking inside of me? Like, what's, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? Are you trying to steal my information? Um, later, his mother does the same thing with the sandwich handhold. And I'm just concerned that, like, maybe they transferred something to her through osmosis, through the sweat, sweat glands in the hands. I don't know. You know, this is New Orleans. Things happen down there that I'm, you know, you know, there are traditions down there. And I just have questions. Again. It, you guys see Venice family. Would you be surprised? Because I wouldn't. Um, anyway, let's move on. Molly then is like, I don't know if you guys have had a conversation about having kids. <laughs> uh, no, we haven't. But... Bennett's basically ethically opposed to having any children that aren't the result of adoption. He's morally opposed to it. Amelia says, like, I've wanted to have kids since I'm 23. So this might be a problem. I'm not opposed to, you know, adoption, but well, okay. So when Bennett and Amelia meet together after the brunches, um, she drops a bomb on him and was like, you know what? Molly said that you are opposed to having children. And he's like, yeah, I, I am. And he's like, I think we have a gross overpopulation issue. And I think it's unethical to bring more children into the world. Uh, but I did take into consideration that I would probably be married to somebody who might not share my views and want to have their own biological children. It's like, I did think about that. And I'm open to it. And Amelia's like, great. She's like, I really am not opposed to adopting, actually, but I don't really know what that looks like. I just met you. You know, this is like a really big conversation, even if we're married. Like, <laughs> you know, this is a conversation that maybe we would have several dates from now. So I don't know. Um... And yeah, I mean, that was basically it. I don't know. I don't know if I was fully convinced about Bennett um, changing his mind in terms of adopting children. It, I wasn't, I don't know if I fully believed him, if I'm being honest with you, but that's for Amelia to deal with, you know? Um, <clears throat> okay. And then let's go to Miles and Karen. So it turns out Karen was sick. The night before or the night of the wedding was I convinced that she was fully sick not really this may have been like a <coughs> oh I don't feel good I have to go to bed I'm so tired oh oh mommy I can't go to school in the morning I'm, I can't go to church and I don't feel well <laughs> that sort of thing oh I'm so sleepy I might just sleep in my wedding dress that sort of thing so I don't have to take it off and you don't get any ideas about you being able to touch my body miles even though I'm saying that I'm more and more comfortable with you I don't think that I really am mm. I feel like I might be right about that um so miles goes to the foot of the bed he's massaging her feet and he gives her a little recola that I guess her sister had put in the room for them sometime during the wedding and he was just like really nice he they ended the night kind of you know, both in their wedding clothes and 
he gets a pillow from the head of the bed and puts it at the foot of the bed and like lays his head down on the pillow while he's massaging her feet. He's just being like overly, overly kind to her. She managed, they both managed to change her clothes. So by the time we see them in the morning, they're like, you know, in PJs. And Miles asks her like, why did you do the show? Why did you sign up for Married at First Sight? And she's like, well, dating in New Orleans sucks. So I'm here getting married to a stranger. (laughs) And he was like, yeah, me too, I guess. (laughs) Um, And I don't know, like, is that a good reason to join a show like this? Or because you're like burnt out on the dating scene? Or really it should be because you actually wanted to get married and things just working weren't working out the way that you were hoping that seems like a better reason you know but I won't yuck your yum Karen I don't know um so then we go to brunch and turns out that Karen's parents are actually married but Karen's dad is not really into the experiment and also doesn't want to be filmed at all for the show so what we get is mother Kathy and a couple of extraneous family members, sister, I think maybe another aunt or cousin or something. And fortunately for miles, (laughs) fortunately for, for Karen's father, um, Karen, Kathy, excuse me, Kathy really takes up the slack because her disdain for this experiment and, by extension, Miles, <laughs> because he married her daughter. Um, it's enough for everybody. It really takes up the whole space, the whole restaurant. It is very awkward. Um, Kathy is like, I need to know that you are trustworthy and I am not playing with you, Miles. Okay. I am... <laughs> dead serious um Miles is like yeah I I get it I totally get it I am here for the right reasons I like your daughter I think she's a good person but I think I'm a good person too I think I'm a catch and Kathy's like oh well why on earth would you say something like that why do you think that you're a good human (laughs) and he's like well I'm educated I think I have a lot of empathy because I work with children. I, you know, I have a lot of love to give. And somehow the ice completely melts with Kathy. And she's like, you know what? I think you're actually going to be a good fit for this family. You have good energy and I actually really like you. And I just hope it works out. I think she even says like, if it doesn't come to me and I'll talk to Karen for you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so then Karen meets up with, with um, Miles' family. Suddenly, seems to be feeling a lot better. Did we all notice that? Curled her hair, looking beautiful, not a cough to be had, getting through the whole thing. Looks really good. I don't know. Um, Miles' dad is like, so how'd the night go? Like, not in a weird way. Like, was it awkward? Or, you know, like, just getting to know each other. And she was like, No, actually, like, he was really cool. He's down to earth. I really like Miles. And 
Monica, his Miles's mother, was like, "How do you feel about submission?" And then her dad looks over. His dad looks over, like, "Excuse me." She's like, "Not sexual submission, you weirdo." Like, I'm talking about traditional wife husband submitting to your husband in that like very black Christian way. I don't know if people do this in the white community if they're not like Duggars. <laughs> But I'll hype you into some game on this. It's like, you know, like those very traditional black Christian people view like they talk about this, like the man is the head, the woman's the neck, you know, the man leads you in the right direction or, you know, he's like, he makes the big decisions, but the neck is supposed to be leading you in the right direction. Right. Um, Karen says, actually, I'm completely into it. Uh, and that's how I was brought up. That was the family that I was brought up into. My dad is the head of our household and, and they both bond about the head neck thing. Okay. Um, yeah, she's totally in on that. And Olivia, Miles's mom, is her name Monica? Why did I say Monica at first? It's Olivia. It's Olivia. (laughs) Olivia says, listen, I'm a mama bear. Miles is a, you know, a mama's boy, basically. And it's very important to me that he is treated with respect. And Karen, if you think that you cannot respect my son, you bring him back and I'll pick up the slack. Very Johnny Cochran of her (laughs) with the rhyme scheme. Bring him back and I will pick up the slack. Karen's like, I don't know what that means, but I look a little bit terrified. So moving on, (laughs) let's go to, this is our last couple. Oh no. Christina and Henry. Jesus. I'm just going to take a, say a quick prayer before we have to get into Christina and Henry. Like God help us. The producers at, at lifetime television, Please help us. Help Henry. Help Henry. What I'm going to say is going to sound a little bit... I hope hope you guys pick up what I'm putting down, okay? Because I'm not diagnosing Henry. But I'm just saying that I watch a show on Netflix called Love on the Spectrum. And again, I'm not saying Henry has a damn thing. But I'm saying that the show chronicles people about... That are on the Asperger... On the, um... Uh, not Asperger's, uh, autism spectrum. And, you know, typically they have issues with communication and socialization and picking up on body language, things like that. There was a teacher, a specialist on the show who would have classes and give personal lessons about how to have conversation with people. How to not shut down the conversation. When you're asked a question, expand on that. Give them something that the person you're talking to can respond to so that there's an actual dialogue between you two, that there's an actual exchange happening rather than somebody just asking you questions and you just shutting down. I think Henry would greatly benefit from a meeting with this woman Again, I'm not saying he has a damn thing, but I'm saying 
that I would put in on the GoFundMe for some lessons with Henry. He is like insufferable. And usually that term with me anyway is like in terms of people who act poorly. I mean, not poorly, but like are shitty. I don't believe Henry to be a shitty person. I think he's like, it almost doesn't even seem like he's so anxious that like he gets back into his turtle shell. I I don't know. It's just like he's like he is incapable of having conversations and I don't understand why that is like I don't what is happening with him the night of the wedding continues to be awkward and Henry says that it's actually better than he expected we're in hell sir where did you think this was gonna go it was gonna be worse than this I am tortured by having to watch their scenes. I can't imagine how, like, it's so bad that I feel bad for Christina. And it's to the point where, like, (laughs) from a tactical standpoint, Christina better be thanking her lucky stars that she got lucked up, teamed up with this, like, absolutely awkward individual because I think it makes her look a lot better by extension. Like, if Henry were capable of actually having a conversation I think we would see Christina be awful and stuck up and shallow but the fact that Henry has no conversational skills whatsoever is actually working to her benefit because at least she's trying at least she's asking questions trying to have a conversation like oh my god like It's getting to the point where, like, if next week this doesn't get any better with Henry, like, I'm thinking about just skipping their scenes until shit heats up with them because I can't do it. (laughs) I cannot do it. Uh, Henry, they wake up in the morning. Henry's had a full night's sleep. Still has not come up with a damn thing to say. Christina says she's really excited to um, have built-in friends because of Henry's friends. And I think they really like me and this is really cool. And we get a flashback to, you know, Trishelle and Kristen. Kristen namely talking about how she thinks that any woman who would sign up for Married at First Sight is a fucking weirdo. She doesn't trust them. She doesn't respect their relationship. So Christina thinks that like, oh, we really made friends. No. Trishelle is wasted and Kristen hates you. Sorry, girl. Um, Christina, we turn, it turns out loves to travel. She's traveled internationally. She has a lot of friends that have allowed her to travel internationally because they live in other countries. She's been to Mexico, Paris, various Spanish speaking countries in South America, all over Europe. She loves to travel. Point for you, girl. Finally, something interesting. Um, <clears throat> Henry, have you traveled anywhere? Oh, yeah. I've been to, um, like, the Northern Virginia, D.C. area. My brother lives there. And that's, like, really cool. Like, I think I really liked it. No, I, I didn't. I passed out. I passed out to this man. <laughs> 
said with his whole chest, like, I've been to Northern Virginia. <laughs> That's the only place you've been? Like, dog. I understand that, like, <clears throat> not everybody leaves the country. I barely have. Not everybody travels extensively within our own country. I get it. But, like, you haven't even been to, like, Atlanta? Texas? Oklahoma? Shit. Chicago? Northern Virginia? <laughs> and you've only been there because your brother lives there. Oh, sweetie. This was the moment I knew that Henry was not going to get any more interesting. And that Christina has been saddled with, like, one of those wet sandbags. Like, the wettest sandbag. And she's just going to have to carry his ass to every single adventure. And hope that at some point, he tucks his little head out of his turtle shell. Henry's a turtle. And we're just going to say it. Henry's a turtle of a man. And even, I'd rather try to, like, have a conversation with a turtle than Henry at this point. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, <laughs> this is so funny. So then Christina goes to brunch, and finally she's able to have her first full conversation in hours because we come back to my dearly beloved Henry III, Henry IV's father. And he is got his purple button-down shirt on. He's tucking his napkin tightly in there. He's like, production's paying for this meal. I'm going to throw down. Probably, I imagine, brunch in New Orleans is probably one of the best places in the country to have brunch. I'm going to tuck into some etouffee, some shrimp and grits, uh, some, like, bourbon syruped French toast I haven't eaten yet. Ugh. Sounds all really very good. And we're going to have us a good time. <clears throat> While we're waiting for the food, I'm going to roast the hell out of my son again. And he's like, Henry's like a bear. He's, he's, he's got so much chest hair. He's like a bear. And he pouts a lot. <laughs> and he thinks he's really cultured, but he's not. He's really kind of a loser. He doesn't say that part, but you know, he's he's Henry the Third has been saying that. You know what I mean? Have I told you about how he steals gas and toilet paper from my my wife who's in a handicap in a wheelchair? Have I told you that? <laughs> I love Henry the Third. Like, just put a camera on that man. 
just put a camera on him and just see what happens. How did Henry the Fourth come from this man? They could not be more opposite. It's so fun. Like Henry the Third cannot stand Henry the Fourth. And like same, sir. Same. Henry then Henry the Fourth then goes to uh lunch or brunch with Christina's family and he says like he's really comfortable with them which means that he manages to like kind of make a little bit of eye contact just a flash of eye contact before he looks down again and he can say about five to six words to them instead of the usual two and three that we've seen how did your night go Henry oh yeah look it went really good so you excited about the wedding? About mar- getting married? Yeah, yeah, it's really great. So, Henry, have you ever said a complete sentence before that didn't involve you saying so at the end? Uh, yeah, I think I have. So, <laughs> Henry, <sighs> finally, her aunt is like, you know what? Christina really um, needs somebody who communicates and communication is key if anything is going to work oh yeah that, I, I totally get that so <laughs> I can't stand him he's making me want to die I cannot take this man so everything is fine I guess Christina actually is like actually really loves Henry's family. She thinks they're all very cool. She loves Henry the third. This is one of her better qualities that we've seen so far. Um, you know, if things don't work out, maybe, maybe they can be a, a side chick situation. I don't know. So basically after that, they, they break for the day. A couple of the women get her hair done because they know that they're about to go on vacation They're chilling at the hotel, all the couples, and they all get knocks on their door with, like, gift baskets. Surprise, we're going to Mexico. All very exciting. This will be Henry's first time out of the country, thank God. Ugh. This might not be Northern Virginia, Henry, but it'll be something. I hope you're ready. Woody has a taco dance that he um, showed for everybody. He really loves tacos. And yeah, basically everybody gets ready to go. They pack up. They, we finally, all the couples get to join up to meet each other. They're at the airport. Everybody's so excited to meet each other's partners. Christina's so excited. I think she like practically ran somebody over to hug Karen and Amani, And they're just really all excited to see each other. Um, Henry talks more than we've ever seen him. They have to do like a diary cam on the phone, on the air, on the airplane. And he's holding up the camera and is like, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really looking to go looking forward to this. This is like my first international trip. Like full sentences came out of Henry. And I'm thinking like, maybe we just need to put him on full diary cam. He can hold the little handheld camera 
if this is what it's going to take for him to actually make eye contact and, and actually speak, then we might not have to adjust our expectations of Henry. Um, yeah, we're, we're excited. He's so excited. Amelia is wearing stretch jeans, which seems, it seems like worth mentioning. If They look like a diaper. They're like retro and that like, you know, early nineties, the jeans that make your ass look really flat and wide. But then they're like stretchy at the top. You know what I mean? Not not a not the best look for your girl. I'm not gonna lie to you, Amelia. Brett says everything's really working out. They they're getting unpacked. He and Olivia says everything's really working out well, and I I really like this girl. I don't want to screw anything up. I'm I'm really into this. Um, it's time for the first meal. Christina's like, um. Let's take some shots before you eat, sir. Maybe this will loosen you up. I got some mezcal. Have you ever had that? He's like, is that in a, is that in a Moscow mule? Like, no, that's not. No. <laughs> no. Um, they sit down for dinner and he's like, mm, I'm going to have my, what seemed like he was going to be having his first taco ever. And he's like, oh, this is good. Didn't he do in his vows about how like, Oh, I'll take you from a, a dive bar to a Michelin starred restaurant. Like, oh, I'll top off your rosé when you're having a bad day. We'll listen to Taylor Swift and I'll Swiffer for you. He made himself seem like Mr. Culture. I'll take you to all the restaurants. And yet you think Mezcal is in a Moscow mule because the words sound alike? Okay. Okay. Um, I, they, she was like, okay, so Henry, how was your day of travel? Like, was it exciting? He's like, you know, um, it was really long and I was really tired and, um, you know, I was kind of stressed out. It was like a really long day and I just, they couldn't get longer. So, but I've really, I've really pepped up since then. So, Christina's just looking at him like, Henry, maybe you want to ask me a question? Or are you just going to stare down at your hat thief and taco, taco the whole time? Okay, just the taco then? Okay, great. Um, I thought Christina was such... She had bad vibes real weird energy and now I'm feeling for her Henry speak up speak up (sighs) I can't take it um Imani and Woody are like most romantic of the episode uh Karen is talking about how all the food that she ate at the at the buffet she's like that scene from Forrest Gump like I had gelato I had two types of gelato I had the gelato that you gave me I had a taco I had rice I had um some pasta I had three different types of meat I had ham I had chocolate 
I had some drinks. Like, she literally lists, like, about 30 things that she ate for dinner. (laughs) And I was like, honestly, this is kind of hot. I like that you eat. She's like, you can feed me anytime. I'm ready for it. But also, I want to go back to bed because I just stuffed myself full of food and I'm tired. So, Imani and Woody, they, um, Woody's outside and they're, Sweets are like actually really cool where they're, they have these balconies, but there are no railings because there's like a river, like a pool, you know, like a man-made pool kind of river where you can jump off your balcony and into the river at any given moment, which actually like, I want to go to there. Um, so Imani or Woody's sitting outside and Imani comes out and, her robe and she's like oh this hotel room has like a really nice deep bath for two we should take a bath together but just so you know like I have my chastity belt it's still on and he's like yeah but I took a couple notches off that belt remember and he tells us about how she has (laughs) I guess like a a merit system in which he get their notches taken off the belt her invisible chastity belt and the first one came off when he was writing his journal at the airport and she's like oh you have a journal and he was like oh yeah I created this journal for us well not us but like to chronicle our journey and I've been writing in it since you know the whole process started since our wedding started and she was like that's actually really sweet like you just Took one notch off of the chastity belt. And then another thing he did was that he, um, I I think his name is, his last name is Randall. So he referred to them as like the Randalls and said something about like them being a team. Another, another notch taken off of there. So they're doing really well. They end up like cuddling and, and, you know, just looking out at the beach and stuff. Really cute stuff. They, they seem to really be vibing with each other. And Amelia and Bennett, they basically are like, it seems like they've kind of made the unspoken yet mutual decision to try and really be good friends to each other before they take things physical. And they end up getting in their completely forgot the word getting in their bathing suits and jumping into the river and that was it they just you know having fun swimming around and uh yeah that was the end of the episode y'all okay i i gotta say i was gonna end it but i'm just gonna rank my favorite couples i think starting with the worst obviously christina and henry Shockingly, I'm going to say Miles and Karen might be the second from the bottom. Then I'm going to say Olivia and Brett, Amelia and Bennett, and then my number one is Woody and Imani. Who would have thought? I thought that Woody would like have sweet talked his way right out of the situation at this point. But he really seems invested and I'm here for it. So I'm hashtag team Woody and Imani. Y'all let me know what you think. 
where your rankings are. Princess of the Buy Pumpkin podcast. I'm I'm gonna out you right now. She very sweetly. <laughs> she she is a watcher of Married at First Sight, but she tends to skip the first few episodes because she thinks they're boring. I have been trying and trying and trying to convince her to just watch the first few episodes because I thought they were actually more interesting than the usual than the seasons in the past have been. So she watched them. She very sweetly texts me at night. I think this is on Monday and was like, hey, can I call you? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm thinking something happened. Some drama went down. Some tea needs to be spilled. And what I got <laughs> was 20 minutes of her yelling at me because I said that I liked Amelia and Bennett and she thinks that they're demons. She thinks that they are all for show. She thinks that they're very fake and that their quirks are really, really an act. She cannot stand them. She hates them. And she was very disappointed in the fact that I was rooting for them. So... They're now at number two, Princess. Just letting you know. Okay. And it's not even like a close second. It's like a one and then pretty far down too. Okay. Just just to clarify. And it's not because I'm scared of you. It's because these are my true feelings. Okay. All right.